with you, Lord, to abide in you always and feed on your word, to make friends with your children, to help those who are weak, forgetting in nothing, Lord, your blessing to see. Help us to take time to be holy. Lord, the world rushes on. Help us to spend much time in secret, the secret place with you alone. By looking to you, like you will we be, our friends and our conduct, your likeness shall see. Help us to take time to be holy by letting you be our guide, our shepherd. And run not before you, Lord, whatever betide. In joy or in sorrow, Lord, still follow you, Lord. And by looking to you, keep trusting in your word, abiding in it. Help us to take time to be holy by being calm in our soul, each thought and each motive under the Spirit's control, and thus filled and led by your Spirit to fountains of love. Then and only then will be fitted for service above. Father, I, I, I want to, I, I need to, I feel led to talk to my brothers and sisters about this ultimate intimate love relationship. I surrender. I'm out of your way. Take over, Holy Spirit. Please. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I get started, I forgot to reintroduce myself. And so the Holy Spirit said, forget it, preach. <laughs> so I won't take that time. And we'll go right into the message, okay? Everybody doing well? You know, when I preached earlier this morning, I'm going to confess to you guys. Um, well, the Holy Spirit told me not to do that either. So I want to listen to the spirit of the living God. Caleb, I got to do this. Did you mix up my notes? I had these in order, man. I had them all numbered. I don't believe you. Caleb, I don't have my notes. You know what would happen, Caleb? Oh. I don't need them. The title of the message today is The Ultimate Intimate Love Relationship. The text is 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. The Word of God says, And now, little children, Abide in him, that when he shall appear, you may have confidence and, be, and not be ashamed before him at his appearing. That's all right, brother. I don't need him. Because this message is really in my heart. I've got a great burden for the church. I got a burden for the lost. I got a burden for my family. And that burden is this. Jesus is coming back soon and very soon. And my burden is, there's only gonna be a remnant that's gonna be ready. There's only going to be a small part of the whole body of Christ. They're going to be confident about their salvation, confident about their relationship, and consequently unashamed when Jesus comes back. 
Brother Caleb, would you turn with me, please, or for me, to Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. You see, that's the indictment by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the great indictment in uh, Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 through 22. A portion of scripture, I believe that he's speaking specifically to this particular church age that we live in today. It's, it's recognized as being the Laodicean church age. Brother, how would you decide to define Laodicean church age? Apathetic. Apathetic. Did you get that? Did you get that on the recording? I want that on the recording. Apathetic. What is apathetic? What does apathetic mean? Somebody help me. I'm, so, I'm sorry? Who cares? Does it have anything to do with being self-centered as opposed to being Christ-centered? Does it have anything to do with the with people who, whose life are, uh, Jesus is not seated at the throne of their heart? Amen. Would you read that portion of scripture for us, brother, please? And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I over, also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Ooh, what an indictment. He's talking to the church. He's talking to those of us who are the called out ones. Amen. Those who have been called out of this, this world and called out of the devil's family and, and placed into uh, God's family. He's talking to you and I. And he's, he's an indictment. You know, this doesn't fit for everybody because, praise the Lord, I, I hope that you're one of the remnant, uh, the, the few in the body of Christ who, who uh, he's not really talking to. Those, uh, and it's always a remnant. God's always have a remnant throughout the ages of people who have not bowed their knee the, 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 to Baal or, or the devil. Amen. Uh, uh, people who live a God-centered life Amen. as opposed to a self-centered life. Oh, I want to be on that number. Lord says some, some things here. He said, I, he said, in essence, I'm not too fond of uh, your religion. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not too fond of your, your way of life. I'm not too fond of, uh, of this Laodicean attitude. I'm not too fond of this, this self-centered attitude. I'm not too fond of uh, uh, this, this lukewarmness. Uh, you're not on fire for me. No, you're, you're having church and, you know, I don't even like your church. And, and I can understand why some people won't even go back to church anymore. Come on, somebody. Brother, you know how many people, man, I see out in the street? More, I see more people who profess to know Christ as their Savior, who, who used to go to church. Disillusion, and some of them are just making excuses. But the church is not what, 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 what it, mean, it needs to be. There's, there's a few good churches, and I keep telling folks, listen, there's some good churches who, who, who are established for the purpose of helping you to become like Christ. Through discipleship, amen. Churches where they realize, you know, uh, it's, it's more than just the pastor's job. It's everybody's job to use their gifts and the talents, the things that God has given to help each other, help, help your brother and sister become like Jesus. God's got a remnant. And I want to be part of that number. But he doesn't, he's not very fond of religion, never has been. You know, when they went then the days of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, man, you know, listen, I don't, you make me sick. 
Jesus warned in, in, uh, in Matthew chapter 24, uh, before the rapture, <laughs> after the rapture. I'm coming. I'm coming back. I'm coming, first of all, to meet, uh, to, to, to meet my, my people. I'm coming in the air. And I'm not coming to the ground. I'm coming in the air. And I'm going to call you up if you're saved. And I'm going to change you in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump of God. Be ready. If you're not ready, you're going to not be confident. You're going to be unashamed. No, you're going to be shamed. Because you're going to come, you're going to come and you're going to come as a thief in the night for those who are not ready. Some of them are ready because they're not going to be saved. My, my, my. I wonder how many, if we were to, if, if, if we were to try to figure how many of those people are not genuinely saved, are, are the ones that God's going to say on judgment day, depart from me because I never knew you. You never received me as your Lord and Savior. Oh, I know you've done a lot of great works. You, you've cast out demon, demons, you preached in my name, and, and you, you, you gave tithes and offering. You should. But it's not your works that save you. It's not your good looks that save you. Jesus saves. If you're not abiding in Christ today, you are not going to be willing to ready to see him tomorrow. You want to know what it means to abide. I'm glad you asked. To abide in him. You have to be saved, first of all, to abide in him. And let, let me say this to those who don't know Christ as their savior. And maybe you're not sure. You need to find out. You know, I prayed for my family. I prayed for you this morning. I did. The Lord, for those who are saved, that you give them assurance if they don't have it. And those who think they are, would you please don't let them go to judgment day thinking that they're saved and here depart from me. I never knew you. And those who are lost, God, would you save them? But those who are saved, would you please help them, help us to abide in you? That is, the moment you get saved, the Spirit, the Bible says the Holy Spirit comes and does a, performs an operation made without hands, a spiritual operation. The moment you receive Christ, he, he takes you and places you into the body of Christ so that you can abide in Christ. And simultaneously, the Lord enables you to abide in him. What does that mean? I didn't answer that, did I? It means this. <laughs> After you get saved, to begin and continue to remain in close fellowship with him. How close? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> close enough to allow him to live his life through you. Amen. That's really the essence of Christianity. You got that? <laughs> I'm not going to ask you if you're close because that's between you and the Lord. But if you are, it is show. That man is. I'm so proud of my little brother. I shudder calling him little brother because he's a mighty big man. The way you closed that service this morning, I, I thought maybe you should preach the next message. And so did my wife. She told me to go home. <laughs> you can go too. <laughs> What am I saying, folks? I'm just saying what Jesus said by, by, by the Apostle John. And now, little children, abide in him. That you may be confident and unashamed 
when he appears. Are you taking inventory? I'm giving you time. I'm also going over my head in the notes. <laughs> One of the greatest things that you'll experience and we're going to get to that in the middle of the notes is this. When you abide in him you experience the ultimate intimate love relationship with him. A relationship that he created you for. When he created you. A relationship that Satan doesn't want you to experience because he's jealous. He knows when, 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 when he rebelled against God and God kicked him out of heaven and he came down to earth and, and he saw God create mankind in his likeness, in, in his image with, with a spirit, soul, and a body. He knew that God did one better than him. And so he sought out to try to uh, bring man to a place where, where he, would, he, would be, he, would, he would be judged by God too. And he heard what God told Adam. He said, Adam, of the, uh, you can eat of every tree of the garden and, 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 uh, except for one. The one, of the tree of, the good and, of good and evil. He said, in the moment that you eat of it, he gave him a choice. Because God didn't want him to be a robot. He wanted to choose God in love. The moment that you eat of that tree, he said, you'll surely die. And as our pastor said earlier, he didn't, die, he didn't die physically initially, but he died spiritually because his sin, sin cut off his relationship, his spiritual relationship with God. Amen. Why did he do it? Because Eve influenced him because she was deceived by the devil. Adam made a mistake of putting his wife before God. I'm not preaching on them, but I want to illustrate a point here. God created Adam for intimate, ultimate intimate love relationship with him. Satan knew it. And his influence, he destroyed that relationship. God wants us, each one of us, to have a personal, ultimate, intimate love relationship with us. That's why he saves us. The ultimate, intimate love relationship I want to share six things with you real quickly in defining this thing. The ultimate intimate love relationship is a relationship that is the epitome, if you're taking notes, number one, the epitome of all other relationships. It's the greatest relationship that is. It's a perfect relationship. It's a relationship that is experienced by the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In 1 John chapter 1, verses, no, chapter 5, verses, verse 7, unless, brother, if you, would you open up and read that verse for me, please? These three are one. It's talking about the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They, they're experiencing this perfect relationship of oneness with one another. The perfect love relationship. No flaw, no sin, no nothing that would defend. Or destroy. Perfect. How many of you know that God is the epitome of perfection? 
And perfection does not define God. God defines perfection by the, name, by, the, by the nature of who he is. Just like love does not define God. God defines perfect love by the nature of who he is because God is love. Jesus is God. He is the embodiment of the love of God. He is the love of God personified in his person and his work. These three are one. Brother, would you read that? For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. The Word, in capital letters, is talking about the living Word, the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, perfect harmony. Even in the garden, let us create man in our own image. The Father, the, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The ultimate intimate love relationship is the epitome of all other relationships. It's a relationship numero uno. The one experienced by God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Number two, the ultimate intimate relationship. You can turn to John chapter 17, brother. The ultimate intimate relationship is the essence of Christianity. Don't ask me to spell it. I think it's E-S-S-E-N-C-E. -S -S -E. I did it? Thank the Holy Spirit, because I couldn't do that on my own. But anyhow, it is the essence of Christianity. It's what Christianity is all about. I just told you that the reason why God creates, created us and wants to save us if he hasn't saved you already. And if, you, if you're not saved, maybe if you're saved, maybe you understand this too. God does not want to save you primarily to keep you from going to hell. Listen, God loved God for, for, for God so loved you that he gave you his only begotten son. That if you would believe in him, you will not perish, but you'll have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world to him might be saved. But he doesn't want to save you primarily to, take you out get, to keep you from going to hell. He wants to save you so that you can experience this ultimate, intimate love relationship with him now and throughout eternity. I prayed for that. I prayed that for you today, too. That you would experience that. Look at John chapter 17. We start in verses 3 and verses 4. I'll make a couple of comments, then I'm going to ask uh, my pastor. And he is my pastor, too. I will follow this man. I tell you what, I will go in a foxhole with him as long as he goes in first. <laughs> you know what I tell young people like him? You want to lead? Go ahead and lead. I'll follow. <laughs> if you've been around for a while... Brother Legault, you know what I'm talking about, right? Isn't that what he did? <laughs> he said, when you're ready, okay, son, you go, you take the lead. <laughs> His wife probably told him to go ahead. You don't have to say nothing. <laughs> she, she just zipped her lip. <laughs> One of the reasons why they know he was ready, because of you. Don't be an Eve. Amen. Help this man become who God would have him to be. Use the power of influence that you have. The best way to <laughs> influence him Focus on his highlights. He's got a bunch of them. And you already know, brother, love that woman. That's how that works. The essence of Christianity. Brother, would you read John chapter 17, verses 3 and 4? And if you want to make the comment, you got, a, you got the mic, but I told you. Unless I go to the bathroom, I don't want you to take my message. <laughs> and this Sometimes is, you just got to go. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, 
the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Let me give you a little background on John chapter 17. This is really the Lord's prayer. The, in Matthew chapter 6, that's the disciples' prayer. The one he, you know, the disciples says, teach us how to pray. Amen. This is the Lord's prayer. This is the greatest prayer that ever was prayed by the greatest prayer warrior who ever prayed. And everything he asked, God gave it to him because he did those things that were pleasing in his sight. Whatever he asked, receive of him. Keep his commandments and he'll give you whatever you ask for because you're going to ask for what he wants you to have. So anyhow, Jesus is praying. And in the first five, six verses, he's praying for himself. He's praying for the Father to enable him to experience that love relationship that he had with the Father before going to the cross, where he knew that his, our sin was going to separate him from the Father. In verses 6 through 19, he prays for the, the uh, disciples of his day to experience that love relationship, this oneness. It doesn't take long. If you get into the word of God and you read it, you see that theme throughout. And then in verse 20, he prays for us, the disciples who believe on those disciples of the word. Amen. Would you read those verses? You're handsome. I like you. You're a good kid. He's a friendly one, isn't he? You know, I'm your uncle. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm Uncle Chocolate Thunder, okay? And I'm going to eat dinner at your house. And I'm going to eat you out of house and home. <laughs> Go ahead, brother. You want verse, just verse 20? 20 through 26. Okay. <clears throat> I neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. Woo! Oneness. Go ahead. I in them and thou in me. That's abiding. That they may be made perfect in one. Perfect oneness. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them, and thou hast loved me. That'll help lead folks to Christ, man. When they see you, how close you are to Jesus. And they see that when they see you, they see Christ because he's living his life in you. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. That's why you go to heaven if you're saved because of that prayer right there. That they may be uh, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee. And these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them the, thy name and will declare it. That the love wherewith thou hast loved Stop. me. That the what? That the love wherewith thou hast loved me. Wait, will be what? May be in them and I in them. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. That's the essence of Christianity. That's why God did all that he did. That's why he created you. That's why he wants to save you. Because he loves you that much. He said, oh God, he, God is love. Yes, he is love. And then God is also holy. And because he loves you, he's going to save you. And because he's holy, he's got to judge you. If you go to sleep while I'm preaching, I've got a water pistol in my back pocket. <laughs> Anybody want to get squirted right now? It's kind of warm in here. But you don't know what's in my water pistol. Don't go to sleep. I'll speed up the message, but don't go to sleep. I'm going to squirt you anyhow. I'm ready. <laughs> I know you are. The ultimate intimate love relationship is the epitome of all other relationships and one experienced by God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The ultimate intimate love relationship is the essence of Christianity. John chapter 14, please turn there. The ultimate intimate relationship is a relationship that was exemplified. E-X-P-L-I-F-I-E-D. Exemplified. Okay, smarty pants, is that right? No? 
Spell it. E X. E M. E M P. Ain't nobody asked you. But anyhow, <laughs> exemplified. <laughs> exemplified. In other words, Jesus he gave us a perfect example of this ultimate intimate love relationship in John chapter 14 that he had with the Father in his humanity. Brother Caleb, would you read that? And, and please stop messing with me because I got to stop messing around because I got to get done. I'm hungry. <laughs> go, go ahead, brother. Of John 14, verses 6 through 12. Way, the truth and the light. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet thou hast not uh, yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou, show us the Father? Keep reading, brother. Believest thou that uh, I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. And greater. Believe me, and I, uh, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. The ultimate intimate love relationship is the epitome of all other relationships by experience, experienced by the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. The ultimate intimate relationship, love relationship, is the essence of Christianity, a relationship that we can experience today if you're saved. The ultimate intimate relationship is exemplified by Jesus Christ and his humanity in John chapter 14. He was asked, show us the Father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Philip said, show us the Father so it might satisfy us. Jesus said, haven't you been with me long enough? Don't you know when you've seen me, you've seen the Father? He said, listen, the, work, the things that I do, the works that I do, the things that I say, it's not me, it's the Father that's doing these things, saying these things through me. Because I'm abiding in the Father, he's abiding in me. Then he goes on to say, and greater works shall you do when you get saved. Because, man, I'm coming back by the Spirit. And I'm going to abide in your heart by faith. Brother, you know one of the greatest prayers that I pray for you on a regular basis? God, that you would help us. That you would strengthen us with might by your Spirit in the inner man, so that you would dwell or abide in our hearts by faith, so that we can be rooted and grounded in your love and be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of your love, so that we might know by experience the constraining love of Christ, so that we can love you with, the lawyer, with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, love our neighbors as ourselves, love one another, so I can love Yvonne. Well, I don't want you to love Yvonne like I do, but anyhow, you know what I'm saying. Because Jesus is living his life through me. The ultimate intimate love relationship is exemplified by the Lord, Je is explained by the Lord Jesus Christ in John chapter 15. We won't, for the time we won't turn there. Because I can keep you all day, but I don't want to. Because I don't want you to get bored with the message. I want you to receive this in your heart. Bless God if you know it. If you're part of the remnant, you already know. If you're not, I'm here to motivate, challenge, and encourage you to surrender totally and completely to Jesus after you get saved. To live a Christ-centered life as opposed to a self-centered life a life that most professed Christians are living. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. There may be more people who profess to know Christ than are not generally saved. Mm -hmm. 
It's not my call. God knows. The ultimate intimate relationship is explained in John chapter 15. We'll just go to two verses. Jesus said this. As a branch cannot, verses three and four and five, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And without me, you can do nothing. If a man does not abide in me, is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. He's not saying that if you're out of fellowship with God, he's going to throw you to hell. He's not saying that at all. He's saying this, basically this, if you're not abiding in Christ as a Christian, man, you know, you're not bearing any fruit. You're you're not living a Christ-centered life. You're living a self-centered life. And you're good for nothing. I I know I've been there. Anytime that I'm not allowing Christ to live his life to me, man, I'm, I'm backslidden. And I'm, I'm more concerned about uh, backslider and how he's going to be filled with what? His own ways and not the ways of the Lord. You're going to be miserable. But if you, abide, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and so shall you be my disciple. Watch this now. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue, abide, continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide. The ultimate intimate love relationship is a relationship that is the epitome of all other relationships. Relationship number one, experienced by God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The ultimate intimate relationship, love relationship, is the essence of Christianity, is what Christianity is all about. God wants to save you if he hadn't already so that you can experience that relationship for all eternity with him. The ultimate intimate love relationship was exemplified by Christ and his humanity. He was so close to the Father and his humanity said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Woo, glory! Don't you want people to say, when I see you, I see Jesus? I hear Jesus. The ultimate intimate love relationship was explained by Jesus Christ as as abiding in him. The ultimate intimate relationship, the Lord encourages us to to experience that relationship. In Revelation chapter 3, verses 20, he said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man or woman or if any boy or girl, if any teenager or preteen, Hear me knocking. Calling you by name. Janiah. Yvonne. Teresa. Tony. Lisa. Caleb. Brian. Hear me call and open the door of their heart. I will come in and have fellowship. I will abide with you. The ultimate intimate love relationship is the the epitome of all other relationships. Number one, and one experienced by the Godhead. It is the Essence of Christianity, the one that you can experience with the Lord with all eternity once you get saved. It's a relationship that's exemplified by Christ and his humanity. He said, when you've seen me, you've seen, you've seen and you've heard the Father. It's a relationship that explained by Jesus as, 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 as a, the abiding relationship. It's a relationship that the Lord encourages us to experience in Revelation chapter 3. It's a relationship And here's where we close. That the Lord admonishes us to experience through the Apostle John in John, 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. 
John. <laughs> yeah. Abide in him. Amen. How's my breath? I'm on occasion. <laughs> <laughs> and now, John, abide in him that you may have confidence and not be ashamed when he appears. You're, one of the, you're part of the remnant, brother. Amen. Amen, brother. I know you are. Yeah, I love you. That's why I called you at 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> no, nobody else do that. <laughs> Be also ready. For in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Soon and very soon, we are going to see the King. Are you ready? How do you get ready? Take time to be holy. That song was written. I forgot the writer's name. I meant to write that down. I did, but I lost my notes. But anyhow, this guy, you can look, it's in the songbook, the author of that, 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 uh, that song. He wrote it as a poem centuries ago. He heard a message on, be holy as I am holy. And he got so convicted. He said, man, how can I do that? So he went home and he started writing this poem. You see, to be holy, <laughs> holiness is a person. Jesus is the holy one of God. And his thinking was, how can I be like Jesus? How can I be holy as he is holy? And the Holy Spirit gave him this song. Take time to be holy. Speak off with thy Lord. That's abiding in prayer. Abide in him always. It's abiding in him. Take time to be holy. Speak off with thy Lord. Abiding in always and feed on his word. That's abiding in the word. Make friends with God's children. That's abiding in fellowship with God's family. Help those who are weak, forgetting in nothing his blessings to see. That's abiding in his blessings. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Take time to be holy like Jesus. The world rushes on. The world has no time for Jesus. How about you? Take time to be holy, the world rushes on. Spend much time in secret, in the secret place. Mm -hmm. Psalms 91. Yep. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Yep. The world rushes on. Spend much time in secret with Jesus alone. Here's your quiet time. I try to get three of them a day. You still doing that, Caleb? Three quiet times a day. There to be a Daniel. Take time to be holy. The world rushes on. Spend much time in secret with Jesus alone. By looking to Jesus, like him will thou be. Thy friends and thy conduct, his likeness shall see. Take time to be holy. Let him be thy guide. Let him be your shepherd. And run not before him. Whatever happens, don't get ahead of God. Whatever be tied, in joy or in sorrow, still follow thy Lord. And looking to Jesus, still trust in his word. Take time to be holy. This is the most important part. Be calm in thy soul. Each thought and each motive beneath the Spirit's control. Thus led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, two fountains of love. Thou soon shall be fitted for service above. Let me give you this one more thing. That song reminds me. That's why I sing it. I pray it every day. But it's as simple as this. 
If you want to abide in him and be ready when the Lord comes back today. First, John, you, you need to go here. And then I'm going to turn it over to Caleb. And he's going to do the work of an evangelist because I've run out of time. He could probably do a better job than me anyhow. See, before I got saved, I was a, a pastor with a heart of an evangelist. Now I'm an evangelist with the heart of a pastor. John chapter 15, verses 9 through 12, says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide. You want to abide in Christ as a Christian? Obey him. Brother Caleb, why don't you take over? Maybe we should sing this song. Um, read your Bible, pray every day, and you grow. Here's a, th here's a thought. Read your Bible, pray and obey. I'm done. I think the Lord hid my notes. Don't look for them, Caleb. You don't have to find them. That's part of it. Well, he Amen. He does that with my keys all the time. Lord, help me find my keys. <laughs> I love it. You too, right? Don't blame him for hiding your keys, Tony. You just lost them, all right. You know, if you're in here today without the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you were asked today, right now, if you were to die on your way home, God forbid, but if it were to happen, where would you be for all of eternity? That is the biggest question in anybody's life is where will you spend eternity? There's lots of ideas and there's lots of thoughts on where you could go, but the Bible makes it really plain. There's two options. It's heaven for all of eternity with God or it's a lake of fire for all of eternity for those without him. Without Jesus Christ as your Savior, that is where you will be. It's a place nobody should go to. It's a place that God loved you so much he wouldn't want you to go. In fact, it's a place where God loves you so much he doesn't want you to go, so he let his own son die in your place and pay the debt of all of your sins so you could trust him and have a free gift of eternal life. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The simplicity of the gospel is lost on so many because they think, well, I must do something. And the Lord said, I have done everything. I finished the work. We read it earlier. I finished the work. I did the job. He did the work so you and I don't have to. He dies at Calvary and pays the debt of all of your sins. And he says, all it takes is trusting, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What, that he died for my sins? He was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That everything he said about himself is true. That he was God that stepped down out of the glories of heaven to pay the debt of our sins and to lay down his life a ransom for many and raise from the dead to give us eternal life. And the gift of eternal life has been offered ever since that day. It's wrapped up as a beautiful present and a gift for whosoever will let him come. Is that you today? If you don't know that heaven is your home, the Bible makes it very plain. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. You can know your sins are forgiven forever and know you have heaven. If you're in here this morning and you're saved, how's your walk with that Savior? That's the question for you today. How's your walk with Him? Are you growing? Are you walking? Are you taking time with Him? Are you abiding in Him? Is your life all about you or is it all about Him? I heard... Uh, message preached when I was up in Nova Scotia and I preached that meeting there and some of the other guys preaching and one guy asked an amazing question. I never really thought about it that way and he said, uh, you know, was Jonah a good prophet or no? 
You look at the life of Jonah and he is lousy and great all at the same time. You look at his life and you know what you think? I don't know. I mean, yeah, he did what he was told. But he's mad because he gets a revival. He's mad because the city repents. He's angry at God. He's angry at everybody. He does everything under duress, but he did the job. And he asked this question. He said, Christian, at the end of your life, are you going to be a question mark just like Jonah? Was he a Christian or wasn't he? (laughs) Was she a Christian or was she? I don't really know. You know, that's not the question if you're abiding. There's no question if you're abiding. Because the fruit and the work that God is doing in your life is so apparent that anybody could see it. The sad reality is most Christians live their life so ambiguously that nobody really knows what they are or who they're attached to. Next week, we're going to do baptism. You know what that is all about? Letting everybody know publicly who I'm attached to. My Savior is Jesus Christ. He's already saved me. I'm just letting everybody else know by showing off the great salvation He's given. Let's go ahead and stand this morning. We're going to have an invitation. You can come. You can pray. Some have already come. Maybe you need to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm not sticking with you. I'm not following the example. I'm not close. I'm, I know I'm not as close as I'm supposed to be. I know I don't, I don't, I take too much control in my life and I'm not living my life of Jesus Christ living in me. But maybe you're in here today and you go, I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. I can't point to a day when I called upon Jesus to wash me of my sins, forgive me and take me to heaven. Today is the day of salvation. It's so plain and so easy. And if you'd be willing to come, we'd open up a Bible and we'd show you out of the Word of God how you can know your sins can be forgiven forever and how you can know for sure heaven is yours forever. And you'll get the chance to abide in Jesus Christ. Have a walk with a God that loves you more than you could ever have imagined. Would you be willing to come today? We'd love to show you. Father, I do pray that you would bless the invitation even now. Work through the message. Work through our hearts. Father, please. Lord, I don't know if anybody here is lost, but you do, and they do. And Father, I pray they would take the time to realize a Savior came into the world, and He wants to have them be in a wonderful, loving relationship with Him. Lord, we pray that you would bless our time in Jesus' name.